The Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world, but those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to awaken him. <clears throat> the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us now go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. <clears throat> when she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here, he is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who were with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. 
So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. <clears throat> the past several years have <clears throat> received, revealed a very tragic pattern of loss of young life in Iowa City. I had started thinking that perhaps this year would break that pattern. However, all of that changed on Thursday morning when the boys went to school at Liberty, in North Liberty, and Philip, my youngest son, sent me this text. Another kid died, Mom, a friend. Jackson Schneckcloth died Wednesday night in his sleep, evidently of a heart attack. He was a sophomore football player at Liberty High. He played football with my sons, Jake and Phil. In addition to that, Phil had two classes with Jackson. On Thursday, when the news of Jackson's death was announced, the football team walked out of school. There was a sunset vigil Friday night for Jackson at the football field, and Philip came home sobbing. On school, in school, on Friday, he said classes were very, very quiet. It reminded me of last March when Owen Skelly died, also a sophomore football player at Liberty High School. Owen committed suicide on March 3rd, 2022. My middle son, Jake, was lifting partners with Owen on March 3rd last year, they joked around like teenage boys do, and they said they'd see each other tomorrow, and Jake never saw him again. Jake shared desks with Owen in three classes. Our house was full of football boys for five days straight. They shot pool inside, they played catch and wrestled outside. They ate, they cried, they swore. The March before that, in March of 2021, Dylan Salgi died also by suicide. Dylan was a sophomore student at West High. My son Christian knew him because that year Christian went out for the swim team along with six other cross-country boys from Liberty. Because we don't have our own swim team, the Liberty boys joined the team at West. Christian was a terrible swimmer. 
but he remembers Dylan as being an encouraging and supportive teammate for these runners, some of whom really had no idea what they were doing, such as himself. Overcome by his battle with depression, exacerbated by the isolation of COVID, one day Dylan was there and the next day he was not. These are but three examples of recent lives lost, far too young. In all three of these cases, each one of my sons cried in my arms, grieving lives lost too soon, these boys who died too young. In all three cases, I, surprisingly, had no words. In all three cases, our worlds overlapped with those of these grieving families as meals were delivered to them and such. We see them now and again at school and community events, but they are forever changed by their losses. All three of these families have been thrown into pits of grief and despair that only few know and many fear. As the church approaches Easter, the readings on Sunday get longer and longer. While I appreciate this increased literary momentum, I am also a firm believer that there is a limit to how many words the human ear can bear. And so I chopped all of the readings today except for the gospel reading from the book of John. If this offends any liturgical purists here today, I invite you to stay after service and I'll read the others for you. Even so, I must make passing reference to the first reading from Ezekiel. In this reading, the prophet comes upon a valley of dry bones. God tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones, which he does. The bones begin to stir, then rattle, then stand. The bones begin to stand tall, and suddenly those once slain stand on their feet. The story is magnificent, one of my favorites, in fact. It shows the power of God and displays God's powerful word of life in the face of death. But I think one thing is often overlooked. These bones were slain, not just dead. These people were killed. In other words, these bones never wanted to be in this pit in the first place. Other circumstances in life threw them into that pit. Their lives were cut short by tragedy. Skip to the gospel reading for today, also one of my favorites. In it, Lazarus has died. Word of his death has reached Jesus. Jesus journeys to Bethany, but only after waiting two days longer where he was. Why? Well, in the ancient world, it was believed that a person's spirit hovered over the dead body for three days. But after three days, a person was really, truly dead. It reminds me of the mostly dead scene from The Princess Bride with Billy Crystal. In that scene, Billy Crystal says, when a person is all dead, the only thing left to do is go through their clothes and look for loose change. Jesus stays put for four days, proving that Lazarus isn't mostly dead, he is in fact all dead. 
So Jesus comes to Bethany to find a really, truly dead Lazarus and two really, truly grieving sisters. We don't know much about Lazarus. Legend says Lazarus was about 30 years old the first time he died and 60 years old the second time he died. Although we aren't exactly sure how old Lazarus is when he dies the first time, we get the impression he's young, given the profound grief his sisters show at his death. Theirs doesn't appear to be the kind of grief fitting for the death of a long and fruitful life. Rather, they grieve over a life cut short, a brother they were supposed to grow old with, a body that for all intents and purposes should not be in that dark cave, bones that should not have been cast into that pit. There's a thread that weaves through all of these texts and also through the psalm that I also chopped. <laughs> psalm 130 that says, Out of the depths I cry to you. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. These readings, this moment, today, is for those who find themselves unwillingly cast into a pit of despair. It is for you who find yourselves in places of death where you do not wish to be. Places of sorrow, of mourning, of loss. This is a space for ones whose bones are dried up with grief, for ones whose eyes are dried up from so much crying for ones whose hope has dried up after so much worry. To be sure, there are many humans in this pit of despair at the moment. Our transgender students in the state of Iowa are in this pit as Governor Reynolds on Thursday signed a pair of laws further restricting their rights. The LGBTQ community in Uganda is in this pit as their parliament this week passed one of the most extreme anti-LGBTQ laws in the world, threatening homosexuality with penalties of life in prison and even execution. Asylum seekers to both the United States and Canada find themselves in this pit as both countries this week agreed to drastically reduce migrants to both borders. Victims of natural disasters are in this pit, ones who find themselves without homes as extreme weather has torn across the southeast this week, leaving dozens dead. Persons of color find themselves in this pit as acts of racism skyrocket in our country and around the world. Ukraine is in this pit as the war in their land threatens to continue indefinitely. Victims of sexual abuse at the hands of Catholic priests and other religious authorities are in this pit as Pope Francis boldly extends rules for investigations to lay leaders. Our own country is in this pit as our relations are increasingly strained with Russia, China, and Iran. Our planet itself 
is in this pit of despair as our window to address fossil fuel emissions narrows. Some people in this room are in this pit because of mental or emotional distress or suicidal thoughts or physical ailments, estrangement from loved ones or substance abuse. Maybe you are in this pit because you can't sleep out of fear or anxiety over your children's safety or your aging parents' health. We all have one thing in common. None of us wants to be in this pit of despair thrown in with Lazarus and the bones from Ezekiel's Valley. The bones in Ezekiel's Valley don't choose to be slain and tossed into their pit. Lazarus doesn't choose to die and be bound in a dark cave. We don't choose to be held captive by our sorrows and losses, left in pits of isolation and despair. But nonetheless, here we are in this pit. Here we are. We who, for whatever reason, still call ourselves Christians. We who, for whatever reason, still choose love over hate. We who, for whatever reason, still hear the word and come to the table. We who, for whatever reason, still confess a God who hates nothing that God has created. Here we are, together in this pit, where there is a stirring of hope, a rattling of life, a coming together of bone to bone, an inbreaking of life into the night. Here we are in this pit of death and sadness. Here we are in this pit where God works best, where God shows God's power, where God calls life from death. Here we are in this pit, we who against all hope and logic still await mourning. Here we are in the dark cave where the voice of Jesus calls forth Lazarus to come out from death to life. Here we are in the dark cave where the voice of Jesus calls you to come out from despair to hope. Unbind us, Jesus, and set us free. Unbind our mouths, Jesus, and make us speak. Unbind our feet, Jesus, and make us march. Unbind our hands and make us heal. Unbind our ears and make us hear. Unbind our minds, Jesus, and make us think. Unbind our eyes and make us see. Unbind our hearts and make us love. Unbind us and let us go. Amen.